18 away from six. Debating the big stories of today. The Huddle with snowballeffect.co.nz. High growth investing made simple. Yeah, got a couple of troublemakers on The Huddle this evening. Got David Farrah, Kiwi blog editor, political commentator, and Trish Sherson of Sherson Willis PR. Hello, you two. Hello. Right, David, Putin, is he bluffing? N- yes. He, he can't afford to... He's actually in trouble. He's now hanging on for his job because his whole reputation is the big strong man and it's turned into a disaster. So he's trying to talk the big game because that's actually all he's got left. But fundamentally, he's not totally irrational. He knows that if he escalates in terms of a nuclear thing, um, he's just going to go down in history as the worst person since Hitler. Do you think he cares, Trish? I mean, because th- th- it seems to me the thing is, if he if he actually loses this war and it looks like it, he's potentially going to get the bullet from his own his his own generals, right? So if that's your if that's if that's the possibility that you're facing, would you go for the nukes? I agree with David. I mean, I think he has just taken an absolute humiliation on the world stage and it's only getting worse. I mean, around Russia now, you've got some of the other smaller states that Putin has pushed into, seeing that what's happening in the Ukraine, seeing the Ukrainians pushing back the Russian forces and thinking, hey, should, we should actually take back some of our territory as well. Um, I don't think he's going to reach for the red button. I think his generals would step in before that ever happened. I think the the problem Putin's got now, though, his you know terrible strategic mistake is to say we're going to start conscripting people and forcing them off to war. And if that doesn't turn the opinion polls against him, I don't know what will. Yeah, I agree with you. So, okay, David, what does he do then? What What is his strategy? It seems to me he can either try and find a way out of this really quickly, like sue for peace over those those regions, or he can dig in for such a long time it just becomes kind of one of those things that you forget is happening. Which of the two? I think they go for some sort of peace, but it has to be one he can claim as a victory. Yeah. Um, and that's going to require quite a lot of difficulty, but the conscription issue is actually terrible because I've, I follow on Twitter some US retired generals. These people really know what they're on about, and they've said they've observed the Russian capacity to train, and they can't train 300 people. If they send 300,000 people to the front, they're just going to have deserters and worse um, so, you know, it, it's, it's typical Putin. Sounds macho. We're seeing in the reserves. Mm. Reality is they don't have any. Trish, the easy thing for the West right now, right, the easy way to get this over and done with is just to say, OK, let him annex those parts of, of, of um, Ukraine that are holding the referendum. Let him just have them and we'll call an end to the war. That's what the West would do if it was spineless. Should it do it, though? I don't think the West will do that. I mean, if you look at the energy that um, the United States has put into supporting Ukraine into victory um, uh, just on its own and what Europe is actually facing down this winter, um, I don't think they're going to go for that as a back down. I think they'll want to push Putin as far and as hard back as they can. Um, But as David said, you know, there will have to be uh, a compromise at some point, uh, potentially, that allows Putin to save some face. How about a Kiwi compromise? Co-governance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Co-governance. my gosh. Yes. Well, region. 
David, that is an absolutely brilliant idea. We should see. Would, I tell you what, let's let's deport Willie Jackson there, and you can go and tell them how to do it. Because you're back with the huddle, Trish Hurst and David Farrar. Trish, what do you make of the way that the money's been handed out? I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not even talking about the, the the perception of conflicts of interest with Nanaya Mahuta and her husband, but just what we've paid this guy for. What do you make of this? Well, I think the the issue here that we're all worried about is this is just the tip of the iceberg of this kind of wasteful spending, and when you if you could get all of it and add it all up, the quantum of it would actually make you weep. I think just utter wastage that's going on um, out of Wellington. And especially right now when everybody is struggling, it's hard to fathom um, you know, why more care isn't being taken of our taxpayer money. I couldn't agree more, David. I mean, the fact that this guy has been given money, not even any competitive bids, right? No question about can you do it for less, can you do it better? Just he gets the contract. Yeah, absolutely. And look, take one of them. It was sixty or seventy thousand dollars, and the output was an eight-page paper. And I had someone comment to me: a junior policy analyst could do that in half a day, maybe a day. And it's not just at the small end of the scale. If they really, where they should be, if you want the money, is business plans. The government said that a business plan for Wellington Light Rail will cost one hundred and twenty million dollars. I mean, that's just insane. That's what Trish, the actual motorways used to cost. <laughs> not, not, uh, not just, the, we're just talking the about the paperwork. The, the paperwork you know, it, it is absolutely out of control. Um, and it's, you know, there, there is an a industry that lives on this. Trish, and, I need... Yeah. At least with some of them, right? Yeah, at least with a business plan, you do get something substantive out of it, hopefully. But often you just get feel good. Okay, well, I just need, I need, Trish, you just to to interpret this for me. Okay, this is what Doc paid for. For advice on how to shape and influence how to embed young people representation within Doc and scope opportunities to influence change. What does that mean? I don't know what it means, but it reminds me of that great saying, crap in, crap out. That's exactly what we've got from whatever, you know, waffle came out the back end of this. It's just nonsense, isn't it? It's absolute nonsense. I just feel sorry for the people who had to sit through whatever those meetings were like. Anyway, listen, speaking of um, rugby earlier, David, uh, the, the new Skybox, it's white. You can record five things at once while watching something else. On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you? Look, it's pretty exciting, except it's exciting from 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. with streaming, you don't have to record anything. You actually have it all on demand. You can flick between. And those prices you gave before, Netflix isn't 25 a month. I think it's around 12 a month. Uh, my Disney Plus mm. is around 9 a month. And actually, my you know, provider's... I get Neon and I think Netflix for 10 bucks a month because you bundle them with your phone plan. So Sky does really well with the sports nuts, and that's good. But I think they've got real challenges competing um, um, on both price and service. Trish, I just, yeah, I mean, I think when you add that all up and you get that stuff for over $100, it's too much money, isn't it? Well, it's too much money. And also, just coming at this from a different angle, aesthetically these days, I mean, unless you've got the big stressless leather suite in your lounge and, and you want to make the TV a feature, where are you going to put a skybox? Yeah. <laughs> That's just, you know, old, really old school infrastructure in your lounge. 
Yeah, it really is such a good point. Guys, thank you so much for that. Appreciate having a chat to the pair of you. David Farah, Kiwi Blog and Curia Polster.